Welcome back to the Fleet Navigator podcast, your go-to GPS for all fleet matters. Once again, I'm joined by Caroline. Morning, Caroline. Morning, Matt. And this is the second uh, in our series of EV-specific, very focused podcasts. And this one's going to be looking at the affordability piece. Again, thinking about electric vehicles, the perception is people see a list price and people see an expense, and they are still more expensive than their internal combustion engine counterparts, it has to be said. But what we want to do over the course of the next 10-15 minutes or so is just explore how that translates into why they are the right choice and the right choice now. And I think that's helping people to understand the cost perspective more from actual use and the total cost of running that vehicle over the period of time that you have it. So that's moving away from looking at just purchase price to looking at what it costs to run and maintain that vehicle, but more importantly, what it costs to charge or refuel that vehicle. So from a very rudimentary perspective, if you think about uh, uh, an electric vehicle being in the region of some, you know, thirty-five, forty thousand pounds, so they, these are not cheap. But think in terms of the pence per mile. So this is this is something that you can charge at home. This is you know battery technology now. These vehicles typically have a range of two hundred and fifty miles, but it will cost you circa four pence per mile from a charging perspective. That's a huge cost decrease. And when you factor that into the overall life of the vehicle, these vehicles will last longer than internal combustion engine vehicles. You probably, you know, you, you if you're not aware of it, you can go online and look up the Tesla Million Mile Challenge, um, which they've just made. So that's a vehicle that's been continuously driving on their drivetrains because there's less moving parts. There's there's five wheels, including the steering wheel, but, but very little else. There's, there's no oil, there's no, you know, lubricants, yes, but they require less maintenance, less time in the garage overall when you take it into account and if you go onto our insights page insights.leaseplan.co.uk you can find plenty of articles on there about whole life cost calculations that you can look at overall over the course of their life they're more affordable now than their internal combustion engine counterparts and that's again it's it's a real sea change in helping people to understand and certainly if you look back over the years talking to company car drivers and people who take cash people generally speaking don't sit down and work out how much their car costs them on a pence per mile basis when they have a private vehicle when you're looking at evs that is important because it brings into sharp focus just how cost effective they can be. And in one of our previous podcasts on on the Fleet Navigator channel, we we did look at affordability and and it's staggering when you think that less than 35% of the population have more than £300 in savings. And when you compare that against a typical maintenance incident that's required on your vehicle, which is normally in excess of £500, it means that people don't have the cash saved ready for something going wrong with their car. And I think as we see the whole product marketplace change for EVs, so one of the main challenges at the moment is that to date, electric vehicles have been at the more expensive mm-hmm. end of the scale from a total cost of ownership perspective, not just the list price. But if you look at the portfolio of products that's coming over the next couple of years, there's far more that is at the truly affordable end of the scale. So in EVWID and things around that that sort of Ford Focus, um, Vauxhall Corsa end of the scale, there's going to be a lot more product that will be affordable and far more accessible to far more people. And 
that for those of us those of you that are listening that, that that's in the next 12 to 18 months the, these are not four five six years away now these vehicles are available Corsa e launched a couple of weeks ago or was made available a couple of weeks ago id3 unfortunately sold out um, very very quickly in the space of a couple of minutes and has a long long lead time no surprise this is a golf size product from vw on their new platform standard range 250 miles and it's got a 26,000 pound price tag so not surprisingly they went very very quickly the government have just maintained in this week's budget the ev car grant albeit slightly reduced uh, and maintained for those vehicles less than fifty thousand pounds so as we're on, on that in in terms of that investment curve now manufacturers have made back some of their initial investment they're now able to mass produce those vehicles without mass producing a loss and if you look at the plans for those manufacturers in terms of their factories and plants um, and where they are investing to be able to build more evs more quickly um, again that's 12 to 18 months to we're moving rapidly towards mass production of those types of vehicles and we should say for fleets and fleet drivers there is an even more cost effective way to be running evs or to be providing your evs to your driver so if you're a driver you know you might want to when you listen to this don't switch off because this is a conversation you can have with your hr community and if you are in in the fleet organization definitely don't switch off because this is a fantastic way you can provide a, a benefit to your employee so without going back over the last three years of taxation there was a particular act um, that was introduced in 2017 called opera or optional remuneration which sought to balance out some of the disparity between higher rate and base rate taxpayers and effectively saw salary sacrifice schemes for cars be curtailed and what i mean by that is that there was a very complex calculation between benefit in kind taxable value and the amount of sacrifice that was being made and it turned a lot of people off from the traditional salary sacrifice schemes however opera did not apply to ulevs in inverted commas and does not apply to electric vehicles now what that means in context now with a zero percent company car tax tariff against those vehicles is those vehicles through salary sacrifice become phenomenally cost effective and very very cheap for an employee to to, to sacrifice the amount of salary they need to reimburse their employer in in simple terms for providing that vehicle to them and it makes those vehicles and we're not just talking about pure affordability but be able to access vehicles that they otherwise could not afford if they were dealing on a purely retail basis and certainly a lot of the number crunching we've done employees can access a vehicle that would be far and away above what they could ever hope to achieve privately so in terms of in terms of the balance and in terms of the way it works most of you out there maybe even without realizing you're doing it have some form of salary sacrifice the, the most typical one is pensions so your pension is a form of salary sacrifice that has tax advantages that enables you to have a, a fund at the end of your life and in, in broad and simple terms, the salary sacrifice mechanism for cars works in exactly the same way. So first thing to say, myth busting, salary sacrifice, it is a company car. So it is a contract between a leasing company or a lessee and a lessor. That, that is where the relationship sits. You then contract and obviously that there is a rental attached to that vehicle and a cost attached to that vehicle for the employer. 
you as an employee then enter into an agreement with your employer that says, okay, you're going to provide me with this vehicle and I am going to sacrifice an amount of salary to reimburse you. There are no rules and regulations that stipulate that the amounts must match in terms of the cost from the employer and the uh, salary sacrifice from the employee. That matters far less with electric vehicles, as, as you'll see as we carry on the conversation. But your employer cannot ask you to sacrifice more than the vehicle is costing them, so you're protected in that regard. But because of that, if you think that, you know, let's say a, a typical EV somewhere between 500, 600, pounds rental so they are a high list price still by the time that flows through so that's a, that's an amount of money that your employer is paying net so it's out of their bank account but what they're asking you for is to reimburse them with gross salary so immediately you're saving 20% tax and 12% national insurance or 40% tax and 2% national insurance, depending on your tax breaks. Um, Scotland, obviously you guys have got another three tax rates, but broadly similar numbers. Immediately, there is that saving. There is that amount of money that's offsetting the cost of the car before you work out actually how much it's costing you in your back pocket as an employee. And again, it's it's part of that tax efficiency, making best use of what government is making available um, and will continue to make available as far as we can see. Looking into the future is a bit crystal ball, but <laughs> you know there there was. There is nothing in the pipeline that we're aware of that could threaten this. No, and to be clear, guys, this is I've heard people on a number of occasions in conversation with me refer to this as a loophole. It is not a loophole. So the opera legislation and both Caroline and I were were involved okay with different hats on, but involved in conversations with revenue and treasury when this legislation was introduced. We tend to talk about things such as unintended targets of legislation is is a is a an expression that we use quite often. The opera legislation wasn't. It was specifically written to address salary sacrifice for car schemes and it was specifically written to exempt the lowest emission vehicles to ensure that those individuals that wanted to could get access and take on those vehicles in a more cost efficient way. And if you look at government strategy and certainly what we saw in this week's budget there is a clear intent to pull more of the general public into electric vehicles. This kind of product and service is a important way to do that it's an accessible way to do that so we can reasonably expect that this kind of arrangement will have legs and will enable employers to give employees something they can't currently access um, and make it easier for them to get into an ev Hmm. so uh, and again thinking about how it actually works and how it fits together you know the the providing a a a lease vehicle to a to a corporate is is very simple and it's very straightforward and the calculation so this is more for the employee well for both actually the calculation is is surprisingly simple it can be overcomplicated depending on what the employer is looking to achieve but if the employer is starting from a a perspective of um, cost neutrality, i.e. I don't want the vehicle to cost me anything in this benefit, then the calculations are surprisingly simple. There are savings the employer can make on income tax and national insurance. There are savings that the individual is making on income tax as well. And actually balancing those in such a way so that the employer is not out of pocket, but the employee gets a great deal considering 
there's no taxation. I mean, we've, we've never been in this situation before. I know I sound surprised. But if you think that we've now got visibility of company car tax for the next five years, and for these vehicles, it runs 0% in 2020 to 1% to 2%, and then it's held at 2% and 2%. So if you, if you take a £50,000 vehicle at the moment, there is no taxation to it. There's no, there's no benefit in kind cost to you from a starting perspective. So all of a sudden, that as a company vehicle is, is not costing you anything. It's costing your employer the rental, which is why the, the, the rental gets passed through. But it becomes phenomenally cost effective. And when you think that you, you will generally um, have a fixed cost insurance in there for the duration of the contract, be it two or three years, and that goes into the salary sacrifice amount as well. And we should say that electric vehicles tend to be insurance category 50, and there tends to be a surcharge put on them by insurers at the moment, and that's general public sense actually wrapping it into a salary sacrifice scheme where you're you're getting those tax benefits makes the whole package incredible just am amazing value it's amazing value but also it's that cost certainty as well mm. so you've got your car for two three years you know what deductions you're looking at so in terms of personal budgeting, um, it makes life a bit easier because you know exactly what you're going to be paying for an extended period of time. Because, again, part of the, the bundling of the solution, because, you know, reputable lenders want to look after you, the individual, as, as well as having uh, a relationship with your employer. So maintenance is, is always bundled in salary sacrifice schemes because the one thing that that can't happen and you'll be aware of this if you take private medical you'll be aware of this if you take something like gadget insurance or one of the other salary sacrifice benefits that are around once you are you you've entered into a contract for the benefit the amount can't be varied so it's important for both employer and employee when you're entering into a a two-year or three-year contract which you you are with these on, on vehicles that you have that certainty so you know that the amount of salary that you have given up um, to be able to be provided with the vehicle and the net impact um, on the on the other side of your payslip when you work out all of the, the tax flows, which, you know, we can help you do, your employer can help you do. There's very straightforward modelling tools that will show you what that looks like, in, including the quotation platforms, that that cost is baked in for two to three years. It doesn't matter. Even if you have a number of accidents in that vehicle, which would normally increase your insurance, for example, it won't in a salary sacrifice scheme and it can't in a salary sacrifice scheme. I think so, you know, it might get reviewed at the end, depending on how you've driven. But if you think that you've bundled your maintenance, you've bundled your, your insurance, so it's an insured asset, you know what your, your contract is going to be, you know for how long, you know how many deductions, you're also protected against life events. So things like redundancy will be included in there as well, so that if you need to hand the vehicle back, it's a company car you simply hand the vehicle back and you, you move on with your life so again pregnancy maternity paternity these are the kind of things that are also in there so 
talking to you as drivers if you're listening to this you need to be talking to your hr people and kind of just say have you thought about this this sounds like a fantastic idea have a listen to this podcast have a listen to these guys because you know this sounds like something we should we should look at and all the information is on insights.leaseplan.co.uk or if you're an employer you think about this and again listening to the podcast explore it because it's very very straightforward to do it's straightforward to set up and in terms of employee engagement whether you use an ENPS measure or you net promoter score measure or whether you use trim or one of any of any of these models most employers have these employee engagement the spike in employee engagement is is phenomenal when you're providing schemes like this so it's one thing to provide something to fleet drivers to bring them on that EV transition. You then look to extend that to your cash taker population, but you want to extend that further to your wider employee population. So you can make that broad statement around this is a great initiative that we're doing for company car drivers, but we're also looking at people that are provided with an allowance that are grey fleet private car users, but every other employee in the business to bring them on that EV journey um, as part of a wider sustainability objective it's a fantastic opportunity to reach out to a much broader population and we should think about the fact that we now have a deadline of 20 2035 at the moment likely to go to 2032 um, for the restriction of sales or, or the, the the elimination of sales of internal combustion engine vehicles so that's only 12 to 15 years away so that's two or maybe you know three renewal cycles of company vehicles but as, as caroline quite rightly says what we are seeing more and more not only are we seeing people return from cash into these kind of schemes and and you know we we have been losing people to cash allowances over the course of the last few years in the fleet in the fleet sector with wltp and opera and other acronyms that we we probably spend all day going through and it's it's been a challenging time for fleets to to work their way through it and what we're finding from a from a wider population from a company car from a cash allowance so perk drivers this works and we are now starting to see some more tool of trade kind of vehicles for, for for the electric vehicle side start to come through so it works across the board and salary sacrifice as a as a mechanism for the provision of the benefit given some of the tax incentives that are around it just makes sense when you look at the modeling when you look at the numbers and we've done two pieces of modeling in in the space of the last four to five days and both of them to and again to trying to kind of work through some of the the grant perspectives from the budget and even for us you know seasoned professionals we look at the numbers and we then look at them again and pass them around between each other because they are just so good so Salary sacrifice on EVs is a, is a fantastic way to acquire the cleanest technology into your fleets and provide a fantastic benefits to your employee. If you're listening to this as 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 a as a, an end user thinking about EVs for the first time, thinking about taking one on personal contract hire, personal contract purchase, and looking. I would encourage you to look at the overall whole life costs of the vehicle. And if whoever you are looking at to provide your PCH, PCP vehicle, if they're not talking to you in sensible terms around the cost of running the vehicles, the cost of providing a charge point, more importantly, public access charging, where you charge, how you charge, some of the apps that you can get, 
to make sure that you can be kept mobile. Um, if you're not getting that level of support, then again, I would encourage you to seek out the Insights page, so insights.policeplan.co.uk, and go there and seek out some of that advice and that guidance. There's a lot of myth-busting on there, and you'll see very quickly that moving to EV and going to EV is, is the right choice for you. So that's it for now. Thank you for listening. Um, thank you, Caroline, once again. Thank you, Matt. And we will see you soon for the next in the series.